Pastor Ray Bentley with insight on the proper conduct of believers in our culture today. We are to the best of our ability follow the laws that govern a hopefully civil society where we respect you know, the police and the fire department and, and we should always do what we do in a loving way and in a way that honors the Lord, amen? We need order in the world and we need order within society. Spread the news of his people coming down before the king. Lift your voice, Jesus is coming. Join the song, sing along, let it ring. Welcome to Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return the whole gospel to the whole world. As believers, we serve the king. But what about authority figures here on earth? Well, we're to follow their leadership by direct order of our king. As we wait for the return of the Lord, we're not to unplug from society or rebel against civil rule. We should be examples others will want to emulate. Let's open our Bibles to the Gospel of Luke chapter 20. We're gonna be talking a little bit about the resurrection, and the hope of going to heaven, spending eternity with the Lord, and getting our new resurrection bodies. Anybody looking forward to that? Amen. Amen. Well, we're in between now the Palm Sunday and Good Friday in the life and the ministry of Jesus. You can see the title of the message is, Soon We Shall Get In. So, uh, Luke chapter 20, beginning in verse 20, is where we left off. Now, you remember that Palm Sunday was Lamb Selection Day. If you've been coming with us, uh, there is, in the life of Jesus, a parallel to the feasts of the Lord. So, uh, there, there are seven feasts that are talked about in the Bible. They are holy unto the Lord. And the word about the feast means a divine appointment. God said every year on these seven feasts, these are divine appointments. In other words, God said, I'm gonna be there. I'm showing up. If you show up, then we'll have fellowship together. And the reason that, and those have been celebrated annually by Israel for um, you know, over 1,500 years. And uh, the Lord said that they are to be holy convocations. A holy time where the people of God, the families, come together. And the word convocation means they are dress rehearsals. Now you know what a dress rehearsal is. You know, as a pastor I do weddings, and they always have on the evening, uh, usually within a a night or two before the uh, wedding, they will have the dress rehearsal. Well, the the dress rehearsal is a run-through for the real day, the celebration. And so that's what the feasts of the Lord were for Israel. They were dress rehearsals for the real events that were to come. So on Passover, um, where they had, were to select a lamb and then to sacrifice it, that's the day that Jesus, in the fulfillment, was no longer a dress rehearsal, it was the real thing. On the day of the Feast of Passover, Jesus was crucified, his blood was shed. He becomes our Passover lamb and substitute. He does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, and that is we cannot save ourselves. How many of you have found that to be true? 
We can't save ourselves. That's why we need a savior. And that's why Jesus is not only our Lord, but he is our Lord and savior. Praise the Lord. Um, so he was crucified on Passover. The next day is the second feast. And it's called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. That's the day that his body was buried. So that the dress rehearsal now was fulfilled in Christ's burial. The third day is another feast, three days in a row. And the third feast is called the Feast of First Fruits. And so we learn that on that day, where they would bring the first fruits uh, in before the Lord as an offering, Jesus rose from the dead. So how, he is the first fruit of the resurrection. All who believe in Jesus as their Savior and Lord and Messiah will be resurrected, but he was the first, okay? Then, so that was, that was fulfilled on the day. Feast of first fruits, day of resurrection. 50 days later, you have the feast of Pentecost. And the Lord told them, wait in Jerusalem, I'll pour out your spirit. And on the day of the feast of Pentecost, that was the day that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon them. They spoke all these with tongues, other languages, and worshiped and glorified the Lord. So all four of the first feasts, and they're all in the spring, that's what, what we generally call the Easter season, uh, this is when they are all fulfilled. And those four follow the first coming of Christ. Then there's a break between the first four and the last three. It's called the summer harvest. There are no feasts during the summer harvest. It's just a time of harvesting and, and uh, gathering all through the summer. You are reaping and bringing the harvest in. Then in the fall, there are three feasts very close together. Those three feasts in the fall correlate to the second coming of Christ. The next one we're waiting for is the feast of what? Trumpets. And I believe that's when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trumpet of God. We who are alive and remain shall be caught up to the Lord and will forever be with the Lord. So keep your ears listening and waiting. If you hear a trumpet call in a moment, the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be in heaven. In fact, it'll the rapture will happen so fast you will blink. And by the time you've blinked and opened your eyes, you're already in heaven for a little while. How cool is that? And that's the next one we anticipate. Then one after that is Yom Kippur, uh, or the Feast of Atonement. And that's when we believe the second coming and Jesus reveals himself to the, all Israel, Paul said to the Romans, all Israel will be saved. They shall look upon him whom they have pierced. And he'll reveal himself to his brothers, even as Joseph finally revealed himself to his brothers in that famous story in the book of Genesis. And the, the, uh, the last feast is Tabernacles, and that will be fulfilled when Jesus sits on the throne of David in Jerusalem, and all the nations of the world will come together and worship the Lord there. The earth is transformed and brought back to the Garden of Eden-like state. We rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years here upon the earth. We only go to heaven for a little while, and then we all come back down with the Lord, rule and reign for a thousand years, and after that, he creates a whole new heaven and a new earth, and you turn to page two, of eternity, the never-ending story, which has, we just go further up and further in, as C.S. Lewis said, into the heart of God. And if you have never read anything by C.S. Lewis, uh, let me passionately and heartily encourage you uh, to get one of his books and to read them. Of course, the Chronicles of Narnia that are children's stories, uh, but, but adults have fun reading them. Uh, you know, just read them to your 
children or a son or daughter, nieces, nephews, but enjoy reading through those and um, the hope that we have of coming into the kingdom of heaven and, and how exciting and amazing that's gonna be. Well, we're now in between. We're in the Passion Week. Uh, Palm Sunday has come. Good Friday has not yet come. The religious leaders are trying to trap Jesus. So we're gonna look at two stories. Beginning in verse 20, it says, so they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be righteous that they might seize on his words in order to deliver him to the power and the authority of the governor. And then they asked him saying, teacher, we know that you say and teach rightly and you do not show personal favoritism, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, why do you test me? Show me a denarius whose image an inscription does it have? And they answered and said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. But they could not catch him in his words in the presence of the people and they marveled at his answer and kept silent. Spies are sent from the elite uh, crowd. Men were sent from the Sanhedrin. They have returned now to attack Jesus. What they really want is to try to kill him even before Passover. But Jesus said, no, my hour has not yet come. Would it have been okay if Jesus had been put to death maybe a few days before Passover, or would that not have been okay? That wouldn't be okay. That would, that would break all the types. There was a day, and it was only one day that he could be crucified, and that would be on Passover. So that's why he just kept saying, my hour has not yet come. You cannot trap me yet. Now here's what's interesting, and we're gonna talk briefly about two groups of Jews who were present 2,000 years ago. There's the Pharisees, say Pharisees, and the Sadducees, say Sadducees. Now, these two were diametrically opposed to one another, fighting with one another constantly, um, but now they had a common enemy and amazingly, their common enemy that drew these two that fought like cats and dogs together was Jesus. <laughs> and so they, they hoped to trap Jesus um, either by him saying, no, you shouldn't pay taxes because the Jewish people, you know, from the law, you're not to make an image of God. And here's the uh, Caesar puts his face on the little coins. And so they felt like they, they, they felt like they should not participate in this, but they felt forced to. So if Jesus had said, no, don't pay your taxes, they would immediately turn him over to the Roman authorities, that he's violating the law, Roman law, Rome, uh, and the Roman legion was there in Israel. So they would turn him over. If he said, um, don't pay your taxes, or if he said, yeah, go ahead and pay your taxes, then they would say, well then, what kind of a prophet are you? What kind of a Jew are you? There are people that are willing to lay down their lives and die so that they don't have to pay the money. The tax really wasn't that much money. Uh, denarius wasn't worth that much, but it was the principle of the thing. So they felt like they kind of had Jesus trapped either way. Pastor Ray Bentley will have more of today's study in just a moment. So many listeners have shared comments on what Pastor Ray's teachings on Maranatha Radio have meant to them. What a blessing it was to be taught by Pastor Ray. He is greatly missed. But Pastor Ray's son, Daniel, 
has taken the reins and is doing great work in teaching God's Word. I can see the Holy Spirit burning in Pastor Daniel, and I am proud to support and be led by him as my teacher. May God's hand continue to rest on Daniel as we pray for the entire Bentley family. These teachings continue here on the radio thanks to the support from listeners like you. If you'd like to partner with Ray Bentley Ministries and Maranatha Radio, just go to our website at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. And now more of today's message from Pastor Ray Bentley. Now I want to mention just briefly about uh, government and and bring a little bit of of hopefully some healthy balance Um, because we learn from the Bible and in the New Testament that government authority is instituted by God. God uses it to a measure. And I'm not talking about what type of government, but just the idea of an order of society. God sets up those who are in authority. He even claims in the Old Testament that in this, you know, kind of a diabolical kingdom at the, at the time uh, was in the Babylonian empire, uh, a very narcissistic, selfish, egomaniac, idol-worshiping, pagan named Nebuchadnezzar. And yet who put Nebuchadnezzar in as king? God says that he did. All authority has been placed there by God. So we have to honor it and respect it. While it is true that our citizenship is in heaven, I I carry dual passport. I have a United States uh, passport and of which I am very excited and very proud. It's, It's the coolest thing in the world to have a passport from the United States of America, amen? And, and are you not blessed uh, to be here and to be an American? I mean, God is so good. So, but I have another passport. It's invisible, but it says citizen of the kingdom of God. And I am a member of the kingdom of heaven, a citizen, a royal member of God's family. And that is even cooler than being from the United States of America. So we have a dual citizenship. Now Romans 13 verses one and two, I put into your notes. Let's read this scripture out loud together, shall we? Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Paul even goes on, he says, so if you disobey, then, then the, uh, let's say the, the police or whatever are the instruments of God to, to judge you. God uses that civil authority. We need order in the world and we need order within society. From time to time, I've been a Christian for uh, a while now, and every once in a while, somebody will come along and it's usually you know, in some small group or Bible study and they go, you know what? And they have all this paperwork and they've you know, been on the internet, uh, so they have immediately a PhD in the subject. We don't need to pay taxes. And I go, what? And they go, no, 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 you don't understand. And you know, they reams of all this information. You really don't have to pay taxes. I said, well, I said, I, I do pay my taxes, but, but let me ex- exhort you as my brother and sister. Uh, there was this one couple and I encouraged them, look, um, if, if you have some scripture reason you can find that I can't find that you shouldn't pay taxes, then please do not drive on the roads that are paid for by those taxes. 
and don't use the, anything that is common that is, you know, you, you, can't, you shouldn't ever drive on the freeway or any road that has been paid by the taxes by people like me, who am a believer and did pay for those taxes. Don't drink from any of the city water. Don't use any of the city electricity. If you wanna go live as a hermit somewhere out, but make sure it's not government land, um, then fine. And so anyway, they, they insisted that they were right all the way until they were taken to jail. So, you know, uh, you have to be careful. Now, I will say this. If obedience to God ever comes in conflict with the word or the will of God, and it comes to a choice between the word and the will of God or what man says, then I must follow the Lord. And we find that in the book of Acts. I think chapter four, verses 19 and 20, the government told Peter and John, do not preach in the name of Jesus of Nazareth anymore. Whoa, now you have a governing authority saying we can't preach the gospel in the name of Jesus anymore. What does God say? Well, God called Peter to be an apostle. He called John to be an apostle. So they said, you know what? And they beat them. And then they, you know, they beat them. Don't do this anymore. And they sent them out. What did Peter and John do? They continued preaching the gospel because we have to obey God over man. Okay, you follow me? At a certain point, there are some things. That, and, uh, but let me also say that there's sometimes Christians, that, you know, they get very anti-government. And it's almost like they're looking to pick a fight and fight the government, resist the government, and all government is bad. And, and it's what you do, they, they do it in a way that's disrespectful, dishonoring, or for that matter, not loving. In the name of righteousness. And that's not the point. We are to the best of our ability, follow the laws that govern a hopefully civil society, some order of society, some protection for our own families, our marriages, our children, etc. We're to respect you know, the police and and, and the fire department and, and all of those who help to keep some order. And we should always do what we do in a loving way and in a way that honors the Lord. Amen? Amen. And here's an interesting scripture, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. We are to seek the peace of the city. I, I want to encourage us tonight to pray uh, for the city of San Diego and, and pray for the peace of the city of San Diego. Amen? Uh, our city needs peace. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7. And remember, when Jeremiah the prophet gave this exhortation to Jewish men and women, he is, he is giving them this exhortation while they're not living in Israel, but while they're living as uh, foreigners in Babylon. And here's what he says. And seek the peace of the city where I have caused you to be carried away captive and pray to the Lord for it. The Lord said, hey, pray for Babylon. Pray for peace. Pray for my presence. Pray, uh, you know, for the glory of God. By the way, that evil, wicked, narcissistic, pagan, worshiping guy named Nebuchadnezzar, by the end of the story of the book of Daniel, because Daniel honored the authority and was a righteous and loving, I might add, witness to him, Nebuchadnezzar gets saved. 
and writes a letter at the end of the story of Daniel saying, I want every Babylonian in my empire to worship the God of Daniel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I think when we get to heaven, Nebuchadnezzar is going to be in heaven. He's going to be our brother in Christ because of the tremendous witness and the tremendous example of Daniel. So we're to pray to the Lord for it, for in its peace, you will have peace. So then Jesus says in verse 25 and 26, um, after he said, show me a coin, he said, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. Um, I think it's important to realize that, um, you know, the, the Roman coin had Caesar's name and image on it. Whatever you put your image on and if you put your name on it, it's yours. You remember being in school when you would have an art project and then you had to put your name on it and you created it and then you come, you make a little presentation or whatever, it's yours. When you put your name on it, you're the one that made it or did the little creation, the craft, whatever it is. So also now with the government, you know, Jesus is saying, well, look, you know, you're, you're saying, whose is this? What should we do with this money? So Jesus said, well, whose name is on it? Oh, it's got Caesar's name. Whose picture's on it? Oh, it's got Caesar's picture. Well, then give it back to Caesar. If it's his, put his name on it and stamped it and made it, give to Caesar the things where his name and image are. And then he said, give to God the things that are God's. In other words, Jesus now begs the question, where has God put his image? Where has God put his name? Wherever you see the image of God and the name of God, you better give that back to God. Well, what's that? Hello, you and me. We all, if you are a human being and you have a pulse, are made in the image of God. Now, because we're you know, lost, sin has broken fellowship, Jesus desires to come inside of us and put his name uh, as a word back on us. I mean, he made us so we are his, but sin has separated us, but he wants his name in us. And I think it's interesting, I put several scriptures in here about how the Lord wants to put his name upon us. Revelation chapter three, verse 12. Let's read this scripture out loud together. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. How cool is that? How many of you would love to have written on you the name of the savior of the universe, Jesus Christ for all time and eternity? That you're his forever and ever. How awesome. Revelation 14.1, let's read that. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. And then in Revelation chapter 22, verse 4, this is talking about, you know, the millennium and beyond. Let's read that out loud. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. Wow. That is, that is just... Amazing, the name of the Lord, the image of God, uh, that he is with us, in us, and upon us. Pastor Ray Bentley, pointing out the fact that we bear the image of God. And there's so much more to come from this message here on Maranatha Radio. Today's study is titled, Soon We Shall Get In. 
And if you missed any part of the message, you can hear a replay on iTunes or at raybentley.com. That's raybentley.com. When you get to the homepage, you can leave a tribute to Pastor Ray's life and service to the Lord. Also, click the word media, and you'll see the words watch, radio, and Devo. Three engaging ways you can enjoy Pastor Ray's insights via video, audio recording, or daily devotions. In fact, at the very bottom of the page, you can link to Pastor Ray's Facebook page, his podcast, his YouTube channel, and Twitter feed. And then after 30 years on the radio and the passing of Pastor Ray Bentley in early 2022, we're approaching the end of the Maranatha radio program. We'd like to thank you, our dedicated listeners, who've joined us through the years as we've journeyed with Pastor Ray through the Bible. We'll be continuing the broadcast through the remainder of 2023, but we're excited to share that we'll have a dedicated online location to access all of Pastor Ray's content, including video, audio sermons, books, and more. Please visit raybentley.com to follow along with us. But we hope you'll stay with us here on the radio through the end of the year. Next time, join Pastor Ray for more from our studies in the book of Luke. More from God's Word next time on Maranatha Radio. Maranatha, bringing the message of Christ's soon return, the whole gospel to the whole world. Maranatha Radio with Pastor Ray Bentley is an outreach of Maranatha Chapel, 10752 Coastwood Road, San Diego, California, 92127.